You're listening to the First Baptist Rockdale Sunday Sermons Podcast. First Baptist Rockdale is a church dedicated to making disciples who make disciples. We hope you enjoy this week's message. I may or may not need a mic, and if I talk too loud, just let me know. Uh, For those that don't know me or haven't seen me, if you sit behind me in church, that's me, okay? Uh, never turn your, your back on a congregation. I guess that's rule number one, right, Doc? So we've been going through Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes, and honestly, it wasn't much of an encouragement going through it as we're getting ready to talk, as we're meeting with Matt and stuff like that. And, I mean, that's kind of a beating a dead horse, so to speak. And as a previous horse trainer, uh, that's kind of how I made my my living with the state police was never never do more than what you expect of the horse for that day. So if I take a horse out for training for that day, I would have a specific agenda that I wanted that horse to do or to accomplish. So I'd take him out, warm him up, and sometimes it took a long time to get that lesson taught. Other times, it would be quick. You know what I learned? When the lesson is to be accomplished, that's when you stop. Because you've reached what your expectation was or what your goal was for that day. So we're going to take today and kind of do the same thing. I have four simple points that we're going to go over. And when we're done, we're done. So hopefully you don't take forever to to learn those lessons because I don't, I don't want to be up here for a long time, okay? Uh, and you don't want to listen to me for a long time either. So my wife told me, say hi to everybody out there in TV land. So hopefully we're up to four. Are we up to four, John, that are still tuned in? The other thing we're going to do is we're going to kind of, as a congregation, poke Matt a little bit. So he'd like to see maybe an amen every now and then. So I figured we'd help him out. And when God gives me something that I go, ooh, that's pretty good, then we're going to do this, and we're going to get an amen. And then that way we can at least, you know, when Matt comes back, say, hey, we got a couple amens. All right. Normally, normally you would have a pretty woman like my wife over here going like this so the crowd couldn't see it, but... For what they're paying me, they can't afford it. So, all right. Uh, The title of my sermon should be Sailing Through Ecclesiastics, but that's three words, and if there's nothing else you know, it's five words or nothing. So, it is Land Ho, Adrift No More. Now, I started, when I started studying for this, I had a whole sermon ready to go, a whole teaching, a whole talk. Well, Friday, I'm down, and John got the best of me, and I figured, well, I better start writing this down so they don't miss something, skip something, or say something really stupid or inappropriate, which I have been known to do. So I started writing it down, and by this time, I'd, I'd read numerous commentaries and listened to it over and over and over, and guess what? I threw out all my bullet points and everything that I had 
before Friday because I just felt like this was the direction to go. And we'll kind of, as we, as we go through these verses, kind of see a little bit of change in Ecclesiastes. Maybe a little bit different. So why did I name it Land Ho? And number two, I didn't number my script it out. So Ecclesiastics has been described by one of the people or one of the things I read that the author, when you go through Ecclesiastes, it's like he's just sailing a ship with nowhere to go. He has no compass. It's just kind of going here and this way and that way. It's kind of going every way. There's really no purpose. There's no direction. It doesn't act like it's going anywhere. You know, vanity of vanities. It's all vanity. Well, now, as we start to get into 10, and towards the end of 10, you see the ship maybe start to have some direction. Now, it's not sailing straight. And sailors, okay, when they're going against the wind, and as I'm talking, kind of think of the wind as the world, as Satan, as their lives. So as we're trying to go against the wind, a sailor will tack. So what they do is they take that wind and they kind of go this way, gain a little ground, and they go this way, gain a little ground until they kind of weave back and forth against the wind to get, their, get to the destination. And that's what we're going to notice towards the end of Ecclesiastes 10 is it's almost like the ship is starting to tack towards an island. Okay? So with that, let's delve into this. The four points that we're going to get to today that we're going to go over are, one, understand the value of wisdom. The second point Preserve your reputation. The third one, serve Christ in the role God has put you in. And fourth, we live our method of payment. Now, the first three, they're pretty obvious, and you can kind of go, oh, I know where we're going with that, with that, with that. Okay? Number four, we're going to present, and we're going to try and put that all together. It's the same thing you've heard before, just maybe a little different twist. So let's start out. We'll read Ecclesiastes 9. Pardon me. Even, even with the iPad that I can make it big, sometimes it ain't big enough. Uh, 9, 13 to 17. And this is picking up from where John left off last week. <clears throat> I have also seen this example of wisdom under the sun, and it seemed great to me. There was a little city with few men in it, and a great king came against it and besieged it, building great siege works against it. But there was found in it a poor wise man, and he, by his wisdom, delivered the city. Yet no one remembered that poor man. But I say that wisdom is better than might, though the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are not heard. The words of the wise heard in quiet are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. 
So originally my topic, and as they know, was going to be speak softly and carry a big stick, which, by the way, Winston Churchill didn't say. It was Teddy Roosevelt. But that's part of the joy of being in the group with me. I tend to mix that up sometimes. So I was going to say, speak softly, carry a big cross. Okay? And that's kind of what this whole thing alludes to. But, again, the sailing reference took over. So what is the value of wisdom? We've heard through Ecclesiastics this whole, I have also seen the, exa or the example under the sun. <clears throat> We've heard that a lot, right? Well, I'm going to throw something out, of the, out at you, and you can either take it in or reject it, because a lot of this stuff, this is meant for you, this is meant for me, but it's meant individually, personally for each one of you. So if you can take it, awesome. Okay? So I'm going to throw this out. What if under the sun meant under the sun? Or earthly? Or worldly? Worldly? Because we know the battle isn't in Rockdale. The battle isn't in Thorndale. The battle isn't in Texas. The battle isn't in the U.S. The battle isn't in the world. The battle is in heaven. The battle is good and evil. The bat battle is spiritual. Okay? Our battleground is here. But understand, that's where our part of the battle is played. The real battle is spiritual. So, as you read the Bible, you kind of take that. So when you read under the sun, then you go, okay, so if that's worldly, if that's here, then you can see where it's vanity of vanities. Because we aren't living for here. We're living for the spiritual. We are living for the heavenly. Okay? And I don't see anywhere in Ecclesiastics where it says, above the sun is vanity of vanities. Everything is under the sun. All is vanity of vanities. So just kind of throw that in the back of your mind, and hopefully me talking is slowly turning into preaching. And God is going to bring to you what he would want you to hear. Okay? And the people said... We can show a little more enthusiasm, not, not only for me, but just to irritate Matt. So remember, that's, that's one of the goals of the amen. amen. There you go. So it talks about this city being besieged, okay, by a great king. Now, at first I was trying to figure out, okay, what story of the Bible is that relating to, you know, all that literature stuff and... Uh, seminary stuff and that kind of stuff and then somewhere I read it's not necessarily an individual king that they're referring to or a story in the Bible could it be nothing more than a great king or let's put it in our perspective somebody that thinks very highly of themselves or a landowner or property owner or somebody in authority or a country that they want another country 
not really for any other purpose but to make themselves greater. It's not that this little country, this little next-door neighbor, two acres, means that much to you, but you want it because it borders yours. So you go about and you set up these big plans and you bring in all your siege works, your trebuchets and all that stuff, and you set it up against the city. Well, you don't realize that they're really no match. They really aren't going to give up a fight or anything like that. But this one wise person, this one wise individual, actually negates you from getting it. Okay? No one's going to remember that wise man. Why? Because that two acres was inconsequential. That country was inconsequential. A hundred years from now, nobody remembers their name. Okay? So being wise isn't going to get you fame, isn't going to get you, you know, Solomon was one of the wisest people to ever live. I bet if you went out on the street in Rockdale, not everyone would know who Solomon was. Some may have heard of him, some may have heard the name, but they don't know who he was. Couldn't tell you where he ruled, when he ruled, anything like that. So here's the wisest man ever and he's not remembered so that's not what we look for it for we don't look for wisdom for that but there is a value for wisdom there's a value for quiet wisdom quiet w wisdom when i read this i kind of thought you know we've all had the salesmen that come to the door right most of them are selling windows and if you're a window salesman, I apologize. But this is what irritates me about the sales pitch. They give you a great deal. They give you, if you act now, if you sign up now, we can do this for you, okay? And they're adamant, they're on you, they're offensive, okay? They're not quiet because they don't want you to research. Act now before you have time to think about it. My job for 18 years, previous to moving down here, was crowd control. Good, bad, ugly, riots. Yeah, that, that was what I did. I ran a unit that went all over Pennsylvania. We went to Washington, D.C., other places, and that's what we did. We handled riots crowd control. In that, you had people that shouted. Okay? Now, here's what I would tell my people. One, their right to believe what they believe is a right. You can't get offended by it. The louder they shouted, the less impact they had. You don't have to shout to get your point across. When you listen to people, and, and there's no way around it because that's our life now, but in politics, screaming matches, okay? Yelling, why? If you have something valuable to say, you can say it quietly. Just because you say it louder, just because you shout, that doesn't make it right, it doesn't make it true. 
in anything, okay? So again, going back to just this, this portion of it, quiet wisdom is better than a shouting ruler. So that's kind of what I read out of it. And I gotta keep moving because I'm talking way too much. I have a verse that kind of goes along with this. And this all goes back to wisdom is a gift of God. It's a learned thing. And we're going to save that till we get to the next one because I don't want to get ahead of myself. So we know that wisdom is valuable, right? Being wise is valuable, not being stupid. That's always a good thing. There was a, there was kind of a, a neat little saying. It said, I'm allergic to stupidity. I break out in sarcasm. Okay? And that's kind of, that's kind of what stupidity does. It brings out sarcasm, sarcasm. It brings out disbelief. It brings out a defense. Okay? So let's move on, kind of finish up the end of 9 and into 10. So moving to Ecclesiastes 9, 18, all the way to 10, 3. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. Dead flies make the perfumer, perfumer's ointment give off a stench. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense, and he says to everyone that he is a fool. Well, when I read this, this is that second point. Preserve your reputation. Okay, and everybody's heard the old adage that, uh, you know, you can either be quiet and let everybody think you're a fool, or talk and let everybody know you're a fool. Okay, well that goes with actions too, and people can see, people can read, people can watch, they know. And it's amazing what happens when we work hard at being good. We work hard at where we're at, at our job, to be the Christian that we want to be. We work darn hard at it, okay? Now, can we always work harder? Yeah, skip that, all right? And then something happens. That one stupid thing, that one comment, that one action, and guess what? Now, you're back almost to square one. All that work, goes awry. And that's what the author's saying here. You can, you can be the best you can be, you can work, you can... One mistake, okay? And that's what people remember. That's, and the world, look around you. One mistake by a Christian and they're ready to jump on you, okay? The people that don't want to come to church, the people that have church fear that maybe for whatever reason 
They're watching, and they'll use that one excuse. The churches in Rockdale can turn Rockdale around. And if they turn Rockdale around, there'll be one person that somebody will use to why they don't attend that church or another church or any church, okay? One fly, one dead fly can spoil a whole perfumer's batch. Now that's not meant to be a downer, okay? It's just meant to be on guard, be aware, be cognizant. It's not meant to bring you down or make you feel like, well, it's not even worth it. Because I can work for how long and boom, one mistake and I'm done. Now, that's not what it's saying. It's just saying, be aware, be conscious, preserve your reputation. Now, I could not pass this up. A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. That is not a political statement. Okay? I'm just throwing that out there to be clear. But it did intrigue me. Well, why does it say that? What's the big deal about the right and the left anyway? Because you see that throughout the Bible, right? And I know seated at the right hand of God is a place of honor. All right? And now it's mentioned here, and we immediately go to red and blue because that's what we're trained. We're trained in the world. All right? So here's a couple things that were kind of neat. Right for the strong and good on the one hand, and left for the weak and bad on the other hand. In the words of Paul Blart, Mall Cop, fun fact, okay, if you watch the movie, if not, then I just made a ridiculous statement, but if you watch the movie, you'll know what fun fact means. The Latin word sinister means on the left side, unlucky, inauspicious. So, again, I did explain I didn't go to seminary or, you know, all that book learning stuff. So I had to look up inauspicious, okay? And I'm sure you all know what that means, but I didn't. So it means non-conducive to success or unpromising. Well, now that kind of puts a little different light on the whole right and left thing in that verse because we don't want to be unpromising. We don't want to be lacking success. Then you skip to Proverbs 4.23 and Solomon says, keep your heart with all, allegiance, or with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. To have one's heart, and this is by Dr. Michael Eaton, to have one's heart at his left side is to have the springs of life located in the realm of practical and spiritual incompetence. Now there's a whole story on Dr. Michael Eaton because I didn't know who Dr. Michael Eaton is. And it's pretty impressive. We'll just leave it by, like that because we're going to push on. So we've, we've covered number one. We know that wisdom is important. Number two, we know you're going to have to guard to preserve it, to preserve your reputation. So moving on to Ecclesiastes 10, 4, and 9, 
If the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place, for calmness will lay great offenses to rest. There is an evil that I have seen under the sun, as it were an error proceeding from the ruler. Folly is set in many high places, and the rich sit in a low place. I have seen slaves on horses and princes walking on the ground like slaves. He who digs a pit will fall into it, and a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. He who quarries stones is hurt by them. He who splits logs is endangered by them. Kind of the sub to this was serve God in the role he was giving you. All right? That's kind of the, the crux of it. We're not all rulers. And what God was saying wasn't that King Solomon was walking around like a slave, okay? Or princes were walking. What he's saying is, it's not, it's not where you are in life. It's who you are in life, or better yet, whom's, whom, who you belong to in life, okay? Doc, I'm sorry if I'm butchering the English language, but I, that was not one of my strong suits. Even in a difficult situation, don't leave your post. Be faithful to your position, and you will find that conciliation pacifies great event, offenses. And we're living in a time where it doesn't matter who's a leader anywhere in the world, all we hear is the bad that's going to come from that leader. That there's no hope. If you vote this way, there's no hope. If you vote that way, no hope. If you work here, there's no hope. If you work there, man, the economy's going to crap, everything. Blah, blah, blah. There's just no hope. Okay? Well, that's not true. God puts you where you are to be his where you are. You can have more of an impact over the sun where you are. Don't look at life as you need to be impactful under the sun. You don't need to be impactful under the sun. What you need to be is impactful over the sun. And that is that heavenly realm. So that's where we're looking to make an impact. That's where we're looking for our wisdom to be. We all know, because we're living it over the past several years, some unwise, evil, foolish, idiotic men and women. And women. You like that? I, I include women now because then I'm not sexist. So men and women are put in places of authority. Okay? Just because they're in a worldly place of authority, that doesn't mean they're perfect. That doesn't mean that God did not put them there for his purpose. And remember... What is his purpose? His purpose is over the son. His purpose is the second coming of his son. His purpose is Christ coming back. And we have the script. John, we have the script. Revelation tells us it ain't going to be pretty. It's not going to be a bed of roses. So why are we shocked when it's not a bed of roses? Why are we shocked when we have idiots in a in authority, whether it's work, job, politics, anywhere, home, okay? 
No one said it's going to be rosy for a Christian. There's plenty of warnings that say, look, it's going to be tough. So hang, hang, hang tight. It's going to get better. Because the other thing, all the way over here at the very end, just remember, we win. Okay? And everything else, when we're over here and we win, guess what? Everything under the sun, everything over here, well, isn't that vanity of vanities? Doesn't that become meaningless? Just throwing it out there. I forgot to start my timer so that I didn't go over. So we'll skip that one. All right? And I know you guys are going, yay, great, great. Uh, so what are some examples? And we're just going to throw this in here real quick. Uh, he who digs a pit will fall into it. A serpent will, break, will bite him who breaks through a wall. He who quarries stones is hurt by them. He who splits logs. You know what it means to me? You know what I got out of that? Stuff happens. No matter what you do, no matter what your job is, no matter what your lot in life, stuff happens. It's a result of being where you're at. Don't, don't fret about it. Don't curl up in the fetal position and quit. It's, it's just what happens. It's part of being part of under the sun. It's part of being part of the world. And think about it. Some very wise, commonsensical, great leaders are actually in great powers of authority. They can be neighbors, fellows in this church, fellows in other church, churches. Royal, when he came and taught, that was awesome. How many, how many actually knew who he was before he got there? I didn't, I didn't know. Okay. Well, Ernestine, you, you know everybody. So anytime I refer to anybody in the general Rockdale area, yes, we'll assume you know. We have to be careful. Just remember, what you do, say, act, all have consequences. There's a difference between consequences and not forgiving of sin, okay? And I'm sure we've all heard this. You can forgive a sin, but that doesn't mean the consequences no longer exist. You move through the consequences. And this just goes back to guard yourselves. Be aware of the trip-ups, trip the snares, because you can end up with ruined reputation, wasted lives, poverty, shame, even death. Okay, that's just consequences of it. Okay, it's not the end of the world. Even if it's the end of the world under the sun, it's not the end of the world over the sun. And that's the battle. Moving along, Ecclesiastes 10, 10 to 14. If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. If the serpent, serpent bites before it is charmed, 
There's no advantage to the charmer. The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. Consume him. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is evil madness. A fool multiplies the words, though no man knows what it is to be, and who can tell him what will be after him? Well, this one, this one's an easy one. Taming the tongue. We've heard this. I've heard that since I was this big. Even in a Methodist church, I heard that. Okay? That's right. I was once Methodist. Hard to believe. Well, some people say it's not really hard to believe. When I read that, it took me a little bit. But it goes back, and I'm not going to dwell on this because there's whole sermons that can be talked about, about this, and I don't need to beat a dead horse. Another training thing. Okay? Think before you speak. A sudden response, a slip of the tongue. So, again, if the serpent bites before the charmer has a chance to even control it, what good's a charmer? Okay? What good is sitting in church if you can't use that once you walk out the door? Okay? They're ready. They're looking. That's pretty much this whole thing is talk and the taming of the tongue. And then at the end of this, at the end of these verses, that's where, for me, things changed and turned around. And I went through and I looked anywhere else the rest of Ecclesiastics, which, you know, there's only two more chapters after this, and the people said, Amen. Okay. But there is no more reference to under the sun. And I thought, well, that's interesting. And then you take that, that last verse, a fool multiplies word, words, though no man what is to be, and who can tell him what will be after him? Well, now, this is where the author, and for me, I can relate to this, and I'll get there in just a, just a couple minutes, I promise. But this is where he starts to talk about not under the sun, and starts maybe referring to what's after. So, everything is vanity of vanities, and now, well, who can tell what's after? Almost like he's searching. Almost, he's, he's had his fill of meaninglessness. So, who can tell what's after? To me, that's, that's kind of what the author's really hinting at. I think he's asking. I think he's begging. And we're going to wrap this up with the verses, the last 15, and 20, 15 to 20. The toil of a fool wearies him. For he does not know the way to the city. Woe to you, O land, where your king is a child and your princes feast in the morning. Happy are you, O land, when your king is the son of the nobility and your princes feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. Through sloth the roof sinks in and through indolence the house leaks. Bread is made for laughter and wine gladdens life and money answers everything. Even in your thoughts, do not curse the king. 
nor in your bedroom curse the rich, for a bird of the air will carry your voice, and some winged creature tell the matter. What can you expect? Feasting at the wrong time brings, brings bad things. And I'm just going to whisk over this. So just stay with me for a couple more minutes. The whole eating at the wrong time. If you eat early in the morning, if you feast, if you're just belly up first thing in the morning, what do you end up feeling like doing the rest of the day? Napping. Right? Big meal. Sunday afternoon, go home. Can't make it through a football game because you fall asleep because you had too much turkey. Thanksgiving, we all know what that is. Right? So woe to, woe to those that feast at the wrong time. They can't do what they're supposed to do. But happy is a land. Happy is a kingdom where the nobility feasts at the right time. Where you're fed at the right time. You will get your food at the right time. You will get your spiritual food at the right time. You have what's needed. It's sort of like preparing for this, this lesson. There's so much I had to just cut, cut, cut. There's a lot of good stuff that, that God used for me that I'd love to share, but it may not be for you, okay? The other thing is you would all be napping. All right, because it's not going to mean to you what it meant to me. So I trimmed it down, trying to give you the right feast at the right time. The others, we all know this. You don't take care of your vehicles. You don't take care of your house. You don't do the repairs. Guess what? Things don't last forever. You don't maintain them. All right, same thing with the Christian walk. You don't maintain it. It ain't going to last. You're going to struggle. No different. If your roof's leaking, if your shingles need to be replaced, do you wait till you have a basement full of water? As Christians, how often do we wait till we have a basement full of water? Till we hit that thing in life that just slaps us silly before we look? Or are we always keeping an eye on the shingles? and maybe kind of replacing them, patching them here and there, staying ahead of the holes. I kind of think that's what the author, author is alluding to in this. And again, God will give you what you need. All right? We just, we don't need to heap bad consequences on us. The world does this, that as it is. I have this whole thing that I was going to talk on too. Are we focusing on, are we focusing on everything and missing the little things? Are we worried about China? How many of you here received a call from the State Department concerning what they should do about China this week? Or in the last year? Anybody? No. I have my opinions, okay? But you know what? That's the big picture. Why am I worried about that? I've got enough going on here. I've got enough going on 
with my family. I have enough going on with my job. I have enough going on with my church. I don't need to be worried about that. Be careful that we don't get so involved in the big picture that we can't see what's in front of us. And then the one that everybody's kind of avoiding, and we've talked about it. Bread is made for laughter, and wine gladdens heart, and money answers everything. I'm going to tackle this, John, because it almost sounds like eat, drink, be merry. Okay? I don't think so. To me, I don't think so. Okay? First of all, feasting, there's nothing wrong with feasts. Right? I mean, the common one is Thanksgiving. Christmas, we have feasts. Okay? Biblical times, they had holy feasts. You have weddings. The wedding feast. Christ performed his first miracle at a wedding feast. There's nothing wrong with feasts. But didn't we learn? Feast at the right time. Feast for the right reason. Okay? So bear that in mind. Wine. Wine makes merry, makes glad the life. Okay? Though wine may make merry, it will not be a house for us. Won't close us. Doesn't provide a bed. Doesn't provide education. What's it do? Maybe a distraction. Maybe helps calm the pain a little bit. We do that all the time. You know what it's called? Noise. It's called turning the radio on every time you go someplace. I'm guilty of it. Get out the phone. How often do we spend spare time in reflection and just being with us or allow something else to affect us? That's the wine. Okay? It doesn't have to be wine wine. It can be distraction. And I'm just offering that up, okay? I have no idea where it came from. That's, that wasn't in my notes. But money. Money, that solves everything. Well, think about it. And I have to write this down because some of it's pretty good. If men have enough of it, it can be all these. The fees cannot be made without money, and though men have wine, they're not much, so much disposed to be merry unless they have the money for the necessary supports. Okay? Well, here's, here's the fallacy. <clears throat> money itself doesn't do anything. Okay? I can set $1,000 right there and walk away, and it does nothing. Okay? What money does is it provides a commerce, all right? It's a way to buy all those things. Money of itself answers nothing. It will neither feed nor clothe, but as an instrument of commerce, it answers all the occasions of life. You have enough money, you can buy a nice house. You have enough money, you can buy a good bed. You can buy food. You can buy transportation. You can buy friends, okay? Real friends, not virtual Facebook friends, okay, but real friends until you run out of money. 
What is to be had may be had for money, but it answers nothing to the soul. It will not procure the pardon of sin, the favor of God, the peace of conscience, the soul. Because the soul is not redeemed by money. It's not maintained with corruptible things as silver and gold. So taken from Malachi, then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them, and a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts. In the day when I make up my treasured possession, and I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him, then once more you shall see the distinction between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. So we've, we've hit them all. Okay? We've hit all four points. And now you can see where the author of Ecclesiastes has begun its tack. You can see the island, the land that that ship has gone. So when I read Ecclesiastes, I take it to heart because all those vanity of vanities, come on, am I the only one that thought, is this, is this useless? Is this, what does my life mean? Why am I doing this? And you can almost see the progression that the author lived. So I wrote this down. And I, I wrote it. This wasn't taken from anywhere that I know of. Uh, and I'm going to leave you with this final thought. And this is my experience. Far too often I feel like the author of Ecclesiastes. I would have named it different, by the way. I would have come up with something simpler, like Earl. Okay. But far too often I felt like the author of a class, Ecclesiastes, adrift on an ocean of not understanding, not comprehending. I'm sailing all over the place where the wind takes me, toward mirages that I see, taking a heading that I think is right, not using a biblical compass, navigating by my instruments. Then, as I grow, grew in Christ, as I sharpened my iron. I began to tack back and forth. I start, I start to find the direction using Christ as my compass, my commerce. And lo and behold, like the author, I realize that life is but vanity of vanities in myself. But there's no vanity of vanities in Christ. He is the compass that leads to land hope the land of salvation, the island of salvation. And God's people said, Amen. all right.